Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to the Digitally Uploaded Podcast, the companion podcast to digitallydownloaded.net. My name's Alan. I'm going to be host for the week. You may know me from playing a lot of Diablo and then not enjoying Diablo anymore. Our second guest, of course, is someone who you may know from running the website digitallydownloaded.net. It's Matt Sainsbury. Hello, Matt. Hello, Alan. How are you? I'm all right. I'm sad because of Diablo, but it's fine. That's all right. You're allowed to be sad because of Diablo. Diablo. (laughs) Yeah, that seems to check out. And our final guest, you may know him from the opening level of Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. It's Trent. I, I I don't think I'm like a character in the game. Like it's like no. At this like, point, you are. Everyone's gone out to buy the game. It's like there's Trent. He's like the kid throwing snowballs, or he's like the kid in the just... back crying because he got hit by a snowball. Like you know, it's just like I'm not in the game. Don't tell people. You just just sitting quietly in the corner in a chair, like the beginning of Xenogears. <laughs> Tacked into it. We, we do it like a, a AI hack and put me in it. Yeah. No, I love the idea now that every game has a a second disc. Where it's just exactly the same as how Zenig is, does it? Where it's all story of someone sitting in a chair while a, a timepiece goes left to right while they recount things that are cool that have happened. True <laughs> I tactics have either of you passage of time. Have you either of you played Zenig is? Uh no. Which one was that? That's the PS2 one, right? That's the that's the PS1 one. That's the original one. Oh, the original one. In that case, yes, I have. That's where the, you can turn into a robot, right? Yeah, you become a, you get a big old mech boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I played that one. That one's pretty and, good. Uh, to kill God. You rated the game which... last month and like based it off the fact that you know you played the game. So yeah, no, I always, <laughs> I always get the, I always get Zeno Gear and Zeno Saga confused because there's too much Zeno in them. But to be fair, the amount of Zeno based names in video games all made by the same team, but because they can't use the same name they can't license it properly so it's just everything's zeno at this point zeno yeah. zeno it's really fun yeah exactly i mean given how much like xenoblade chronicles 3 takes from every single other zeno based game is pretty cool that game is really cool though if you've not played zeno, uh, zeno gears rather now i've confused myself if you've not played zeno gears it's a very cool game I do hope one day it's ported more than probably most Final Fantasy games because it needs to have that little extra va va voom to fix that second disc because it is well, literally just a visual novel. That's a good thing. No, I, I, I've heard, no. I've heard more and like <clears throat> more and more that um, like I'm, I'm hearing the rumor mill turning a lot more, which is usually a good sign. Um, and yeah, the Square Enix guys are out there saying, yeah, we'd love to remake it or. or redo it or re-release it and stuff so it's always a good sign when people are talking about it in the industry because that's yeah, that's what happened with basic Kathos, right people started to talk about yeah, it and then all of that's... a sudden they announced that they're going to re-release it so yeah, i have hope i have hope i mean, would love to play bait and Kathos again we're we're recording this so far out um just so people on the podcast who are listening to the podcast know <laughs> we're actually recording this like six weeks early so for all we know by the time this actually goes live yeah we were all looking forward to the zeno collection or something there's gonna be a bounce of announcements we were like oh yeah we want this game to like be happen like we're so sad and it's like but it just got announced like two weeks ago what do you well, want about <laughs> If if it happens, we're claiming it because yeah, we're yeah, we're my fault. like that. Yeah, Alan did it. Alan did it all. I did time. it. Yeah, it was me all along. <laughs>
It's a new month. Now, of course, just to put this in advance, if there are any games that are coming out that we have not mentioned, we are recording this quite in advance. It is my fault. I'm sorry. But... Yeah, damn you having a holiday. As, yeah, my parents are over. I need to actually see my family. Oh, so, fair enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. I, I guess, I've, I've I guess as far as excuses go, that video one's games. okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess chosen that's a fair enough <laughs> So if there is nothing that we don't talk about here that does come out, sorry about that. Can't really do much about it. As much as I love to say that I'm psychic and that Matt's psychic and Trent's psychic, doesn't really work like that. So if a Xenogears remake does come out in the month of September, get excited about it. I'll be tweeting about it. Matt will be tweeting about it. Trent will be tweeting about it. Get around it. Matt, you got the list? I do, yes. So yeah, I mean, we're recording this about six weeks in advance. So who knows what's going to be announced and come out in September. In the meantime, the industry moves that fast these days that there probably will be stuff that we don't know about at this point. But we do have plenty of games that we do know about, which is good. And mm. uh, yeah, September is going to be pretty busy. So talking about the PlayStation 5 first, on September 3, Baldur's Gate 3 comes out. Um, it's been in early mm. access over on over on the world of PC for a while now, uh, but it's getting its full release, and that includes a PlayStation uh, port, and that's about 150 hours of gameplay right there. It's going to take a, a long time to work through that one, apparently. I do hope they've improved it from the early access, because that early access was pretty raw when I played it, which was admittedly when they just released it at early access, but yeah, I don't know. I, I still want to like it. I'm going to give it a go. I hope it's improved. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that one a lot. On September 5, we've got Monochrome Mobius Rights and Wrongs Forgotten, which is a very Japanese game. And Excuse it me? is it is a very <laughs> Japanese game. No, what um, was the name? I, I I lost track of the name. Can you just repeat that again really yeah. slowly? Monochrome Mobius Rights and Wrongs Forgotten. It is, is that like one word from Monochrome Mobius? No, two words. Monochrome mode. Okay. Mobius. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, this one's That's notable cool. because it's actually a um, 
it's a blend of JRPG and visual novel. It comes from Aquaplus and it is part of the Utawara Ramono series, which is excellent. They're very, very good games. And I'm hoping this one keeps the quality going, which I'm sure it will. Probably not for you, Alan. It's it's one of those games where you have like the battle and then about 90 minutes of story, um, visual novel style story. So it's if one the of story's good and not like infuriating, it's probably okay. But yeah, it's probably going to infuriate it's, you. Are you as saying well. it's not for Alan because it's fan servicey or because it's just a visual novel? Like that's why I'm trying to gauge here because like you said the developer name and it just sounds like you know they make some visual novels in terms of like the the name without even knowing anything about the series like they're um they can be fan service they've kind of pulled back on that the original one was outright adult game but like a lot of outright adult games the later versions go legit as such uh and kind of like fate and all of that they they become more and more mainstream uh, this one is one of those so there'll probably be some light fan service in there but i'm not expecting too much of it to be honest but yeah i, I just don't think it's alan's drive be honest which is okay it's mine it's fine it's matt's kind of game uh on september 7 we got the many pieces of mr Koo, which is just a good name for a game i don't know much about it but yeah mr Koo. mr Koo. mr Koo. on september 8th we've got nhk 2k24 if you like the infuriating basketball games which have button combinations that are more complex than the typical fighting game then there you go. And also microtransactions, of course. That's what NBA yeah. is best known for these days. Really, Do you enjoy you? bankrupting your parents as a 10-year-old? Do I have yeah. the game for you? Yeah, that's the kind of game we're looking forward to there. Gosh, I wish there was like competition in the basketball space because somebody needs to break the back of that series. Anyway, if you do like it, then this year's edition is coming. On September 11, we've got The Crew Motorfest, which is Ubisoft's uh, Vroom Vroom Racing Game. It's back, finally, which means it's going to yeah, be full of microtransactions, a, a I'm sure. Horizon-style game for this one? I don't like know. It's going to be like Forza Horizon or Probably. sort of... There's hype behind it, apparently. Like, oh, there's hype like behind everything that Ubisoft Where from? does. <laughs> Where is the hype for that game? Where is I it? I don't know. I, I, saw, I saw people tweeting about it. That means there's hype about it. It's okay. If I see something actually penetrate through Twitter's algorithm right now, it means that there's hype. I just, I don't believe I mean, that's it's a Ubisoft. game for anyone. It's, it's Ubisoft, <laughs> so it's going to have people buy it for some reason and then pay a lot of microtransactions. And this one, I mean, the, the concept's all right. You get to vroom vroom around Hawaii, and that would be fun. I mean... That's just Test Drive Unlimited. But Hawaii... Let's go back and play that. Yeah, it's, that's set in Hawaii too. Is it? Yeah. Oh, Open cool. World Hawaii. It was one of the first games in the 360 to do it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. There's no um, original ideas in game design anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we run out of places in the world to vroom vroom around. On... No one's going to Eastern Europe. <laughs> there should be a New Zealand vroom vroom game. That'd be fun. Yeah, that would be good, actually. I would generally play that. Like, if you got to vroom vroom yeah. around Christchurch and, and then down to Queenstown, and that would be pretty neat. Around the Hobbit town. Do doers, doies yeah. on, on, on the Hobbit houses. Yeah, something like that. Uh, on September 13, we've got Super Bomberman R2 coming out. Bomberman's a good time. Who doesn't like Bomberman? Is that the Switch launch? No, this is on PlayStation. No, it's a sequel to the Switch game, though. because like Super Oh, R2 the original, yes, 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 yes. But yeah, this one has 64-player cool. Battle Royale, which could be fun. 
like oh that's kind of a good idea yeah yeah of all those kind of games to battle royale um Bomberman would be one that I would I, I would be interested in trying out that could be that could be a good time I liked yeah. the R, R version. It's a shame no one liked it, and that sort of like got to the stage where it was like a dollar on the Switch store in Australian dollars, mind you, not US, a dollar in Australian. Like that's how bumper it went. Like it's very disappointing. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. I would still Did like. Um... Army have like a whole plan to make the R series gonna be like their sort of revised series for a lot of things and they'll go like push that to like a lot of other franchises it sort of like died out i think there was one know. other game wasn't there with r like it was like I an don't r know. shooter or something yeah. it was super r type yeah I think. yeah but that's like that. r. <laughs> the r's are weird it's just r type yeah yeah uh anyway it, it is what it is it should be good fun i'm looking forward to it would still like a bomberman 64 style 3d bomberman again but probably not going to get that in that lieu of that yeah. then i would definitely <laughs> play this one and see what that 64 player battle royale does to you that could be so much fun on september 14 we've got mortal kombat 1 coming out which is not the game boy mortal let's kombat. go it's not it's not the more the game boy mortal kombat it is actually the uh reboot of the series as such so I'm hoping, I'm really hoping they have like six characters in there, like the original Mortal Kombat, because then everybody would have a meltdown and that would be so funny. But they're not going to do that, of course. There'll be a lot of characters. No, they've, got, they've got too many cool characters already. I mean, the fact they've got Rain in the game is like making me very, very excited. And Smoke looks cool as hell. And Johnny Cage looks like Johnny Cage, which is very, very fun. I'm a big Mortal Kombat like lore nerd, which is really stupid because that series is dumb as hell and probably doesn't deserve my time. But it also like, God damn, it's really, really fun, goofy, silly lore. And I don't know how invested you guys are in Mortal Kombat in general, but those original movies are really, really fun. I still think Armageddon is one of the dumbest movies of all time, and goddamn, do I love it. I haven't seen the new one, even though it was made in Adelaide, which I'd need to see entirely because it was made in Adelaide. But I'm really excited about MK1 because the way that they left MK11 was really, really good. And I also really like the idea that they've taken MK12 but made it MK12, like Final Fantasy X2. <laughs> I really like that. It's neat. That should be a really good game. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, it'll be fun. I, I, I enjoy Mortal Kombat enough. It's not my favorite fighting game series, but it... No, it's, I don't play me. for the fighting. It, it ticks me over. It keeps me going. Press some buttons. It's fun, fun and silly and makes me smile. And that's about it. It's too violent, though, which is very funny to me to, to say about fucking Mortal Kombat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, it's it's too full on for me. Which is... uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would not... If it was less violent, I think I'd be more bothered by it, if that makes sense. Like, it's just so extreme. No, it, it should top. be full on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it becomes satirical because it is just so over the top. If it was a little bit less, then it would start to feel creepy for me. But anyway... Moving on, Payday 3 is on September 18. People like Payday. I didn't, but people did. I like Payday. How did you not like Payday? See, Trent's people. Hello, Trent yes. people. You like yes. Payday. <laughs> I had friends and we played Payday, the original, and it was great. So you had friends? Definitely. Well, that was yes. my problem. <laughs> that's, yes, why, that's why I don't like oh. Payday. <laughs> No, it was like it was like the the like thing to play, like payday. So so like after high school, everyone was playing like that stupid Halo C game, and like uh, Ben Killing Floor. Killing Floor was really good. That was great. 
Uh, and then Payday was sort of like the next game to come after that where everyone just wanted to play, which was in that kind of group of like people which were like from the IT class, which just played all these ga games all the time. So pay Payday, is, I played Payday and it was fun. So. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gloomhaven comes out on September 18. Now, Gloomhaven is an exceptional board no. game, which is um, it's notable because it costs about 300 bucks in Australian money to buy, and the box is weighs about 70 kilos, and it takes like three hours to set up this bloody game and then pack it away. That sounds so, cheap if it's like 300 dollars for like a 70 having, kilo box of stuff. <laughs> it's 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 value for money but it is it's just such a massive 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 board game and it is very good but it takes forever to set up and play and then pack away and having all of that kind of on a video game is a nice thing this thing's been out on pc for a while and it's quite a good point yeah um but it's I'm apparently very good yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to having it on console where i prefer to play games and i've got my buddies and we can play in multiplayer and stuff so that comes out on september 18 and is very much worth looking forward to on September 19, we've got Lies of P, which is the mm. Dark Souls-like game that I'm perhaps most excited by since uh, the original Neo, because this one could be really, really good. This one is kind of based loosely on Pinocchio as the story, and it's got that kind of London Gothic vibe going for it. And yeah, it could just be it's... a really, really good uh, Souls-like. If if it turns out, it's well. very very bloodborne esque in terms of yes. attitude and overall like presentation. Yes, and that is a good which thing. is cool. If they pull it off, it's the if best they thing. Do. If they do, fingers crossed. Very much so. On September twenty two, we have EA Sports FC twenty four. If you like your punchy game, that's a punchy game, isn't it? No, that's a football. Oh, that's. <laughs> That's because the new they FIFA, don't have because they lost anymore. the license. Yes, yes they gave yeah. up the license. So there you go. Um, it still is licensed in the sense that there's 19,000 fully licensed players in it. They're very keen to make sure that people know that the only thing that they've lost is the FIFA. They've still got all the licenses otherwise. And yeah, football season. I mean, it is what the it one is. group that you the one group that you want to start a licensing war with is FIFA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that's, that's the one you EA want to go for. Who knows? Off their sports division, so now it's EA, EA Entertainment, and EA Sports as two separate companies now. Yes, that is true. On September twenty sixth, think... you've got Harvest Moon: The Winds of Anthos coming out, which is not no Story of it. Seasons. That is the other one, and there hasn't been a good Harvest Moon since they had that split between the Story of Seasons and the Harvest Moon series, but. Who knows? This one might be good. It is It is some kind of anniversary of the Harvest Moon license. So Matt, they'll probably... I'm what? willing to bet money. I'm willing to bet money that this will suck. <laughs> probably, but I'll, I'll still I, give I'm it a go. I'm waiting for there to be a good one. Like, it seems like the quality is stepping up in that series since they've got... Like, the developers are obviously learning how to make games. There's a following behind these, like, Harvest Moon versions rather than the story of Seasons versions. So I'm just waiting for one day to be like, Matt's all like, oh, this Harvest Moon game's coming out. It's going to suck. And it'd be like the best farming game that year. Like, that's going to happen one day. It'll be the yeah. only farming game that would, year in that case. I would be surprised, <laughs> but um, I don't know. It'd be good. It could be good. I'll give it a go. In who knows? I'm, I'm a sucker for punishment. And 
if it sucks, then I'll just write a negative review, but I will play it. Then I think that's a reasonable cool. call. <laughs> I think that's pretty much it for PlayStation for September. Um, just looking through, there's obviously little bits and pieces getting released, but I think that's the main games. The worst yeah, thing about the month of it. September is that every time that anyone says September, my brain instantly goes to the 21st night of, and it's all I can think for the next, like, hour. <laughs> okay, moving on to Switch now. <laughs> so on Switch, on September 5, we've got Rune Factory 3 special coming out, which is a remake or remaster thing of yeah. Rune Factory 3, which should be a good time. I do like my Rune Factories. So, yeah, I'm glad that series is back under management and... Uh, yeah, I've got I've got hopes that that one could be all right. On September eight, we've got Anonymous Code coming out. Not a game for Alan, but it's part of the same visual novel series that has uh, Steinsgate and um, well, Steinsgate is kind of the big one, and uh, Robotics Note and various other games. They're kind of science fiction visual novels, and they're very very well regarded. So this is the next one in that property so that's actually uh, quite exciting for visual novel fans which is not alan but for people like me yay on september 14 we've also got the mortal kombat one coming out on switch so you can play it on the go if you like you can do fatalities that's on the train cool. and yay well that's related to a topic we'll talk about later yeah <laughs> yeah but that one, people will probably think like, oh, look, he's playing Mortal Kombat 1. How cool is he? That's how it works, isn't it? That is how it works. It's cool I if mean, you play Mortal, Mortal Kombat 1. I mean, I made a friend once playing Mortal Kombat 9 on the Vita, and we just passed the console backwards between each other on a bus trip from, like, country <laughs> New South Wales to us to Adelaide. So it might work like that with 11, <laughs> uh, to, uh, 1, 2. On That's going to be playing the Game Boy game instead and be like, yes. yeah, I'm playing like <laughs> more Combat 1, guys. <laughs> That's you know what exactly really messed right. me up about this whole discussion is the fact you actually went back and played it. Like, Are I you... thought you were taking the piss. I thought you were going to be like, oh, I'm going to do it and then like not actually do it. It looks awful. <laughs> yeah, more, the Game Boy Mortal Kombat is an absolutely terrible game. One of the worst games The best thing made. is... My exact feeling was echoed by literally everyone who responded to that tweet of yours. <laughs> it was just this common thing of like, why'd you do that? <laughs> I, I saw an opportunity to make a tweet. I went with it. On September 14, we've got Bat and Kato's 1 and 2 HD remaster coming out, which is great. Yay. That's a yeah. monolith soft game and also a um, Eternal Sonata dev game. I forget who Eternal Sonata dev's made by... Is it Kavya? I don't know. No, Kavya's gone. Yeah. Not Kavya. Not Kavya. But whoever it oh, is. Oh, um, Crescendo. Try Crescendo. Try Ace. Try oh, Crescendo. Right. Whatever they're, they're called. Yeah. That's a combination of two of two of my favorite JRPG series, Eternal Sonata and Xenoblade. So that'll be yeah. fun. It's also cards. They're, they're very good games. And it's good that they're being preserved as such um, because they are very, very good games. And it's, it's about time people had a chance to play them because they were pretty hard to find back in the day too. A lot of people. I never saw a copy in Australia. I had one. Never I bought one. one. I was lucky, but yes, I was lucky. It was not a. It was not a mainstream series. Uh, mm. Gloomhaven also comes out on Switch on September 18, so that's good. You can play it on the go, on the train, make friends, all that. Cool. On 
September 19, we've got The Legend of Nayuta, Boundless, Boundless Trails, which I'm guessing, <laughs> just from the name of it, it must be one of the Trails series. Another one? Oh, Jesus Christ, I'm just in the middle of playing the last one. So there you go. And this one's even more incomprehensible if you've not played the last one. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. That series, man. I, I, like I said, like we said, we're recording this really early, uh, six weeks in advance. So at the moment, Trails of Reverie has just come out. And I'm kidding you not, the opening six or seven hours of it is just you walking around town, meeting every character from the series, from the, from the entire series beforehand. And they're like, oh, hey, I remember you. We met at this point in time and we did this. And it's just like... Why does anyone like this series? That sounds awful. It is six no, hours of, of catching up. it's a positive reinforcement of catching up with your best friends. Like, yes. you know, you, it you've is seen them in the past and you're just like, yes, we're back from COVID. Oh, they're all my Tales characters. That's what it is. There's there's six hours of just catching up with everyone. And everybody starts at level 99 too. So you actually start the game with everybody's superpower godlike characters. And it's just fascinating See, that they've actually made Zelda, that game. But like in Tales, it's not. Like it's game of the year, Matt. It's just fascinating that they made that infuriatingly game. Infuriatingly awful. <laughs> but if you're like me and you've played them all, then it's kind of like catching up with Oh, yeah, I get that. So it, I get that. It is very good. It would be cool if a whole game was just catching up with them. Like you'd be like, Oh, there's like so and so, and then you can like talk to them, like Animal Crossing, and then like go have like a coffee and like I want a Tales of Animal Crossing. Okay, on September twenty one, here we go. This is going to be. I'll take a big breath to read this one. On September twenty one, we have Monu defeat mon de defeat monsters and gain strong weapons and armor. You may be defeated, but don't give up. Become stronger. I believe there will be a day when. I kid you not, that's the name of it. What? Did someone just mashed the like. <laughs> I'll read it again. And, like, copy the... Yeah, can you, can you read it slower for me? I'm stupid. Please on, read it again. On September 21, we have Monu, defeat monsters and gain strong weapons and armor. You may be defeated, but don't give up. Become stronger. I believe there will be a day when. That's the title of it. See, what it sounds like is that the game's name is Monu, and then after that's the description of the game. And no, no, no. Wait, this, is it... the, this is the name of it. Monu coming to... What the fuck? Why would you... It's Arxis. Okay, that's why. I can... <laughs> I'm just thinking, if I review this thing, that is going to be like a very long title in the headline of the, the review. <laughs> that's going to be... I'm... That's going to break my website. <laughs> oh no no there's, there's the story keep the name of it keeps going i believe there will be a day when the heroes defeat the devil king oh <laughs> they've actually run out of characters in the title from me the metacritic listing so they That's actually can't really put funny. the entire they can't put the entire title of the game in there <laughs> wow Matt, uh, uh, like it's still the worst title i've ever seen in my life but brilliant. It, it's less offensive to me now that's brilliant it's like that time. I do also. Like, what was the name? F Fiona Apple did a CD. Like this is thirty years ago or whatever. Fiona Apple did a CD, and the the title of it is like a hundred and something words long. It's just funny. Sometimes they do that to stand out, I guess. Um, this game seems like the most nothing game of all time. By the it's way, it's going to be. It's just a dungeon crawler, like a classic style dungeon crawler. So 
yeah. I'll enjoy it, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm not expecting it to be game of the year or anything, but it does look like something that I will have fun playing. On September 26th, we've got Harvest Moon coming out on Switch 2, so you can play it on the go if you want. It's good. The Switch 2 is not out yet, though, Matt. I said on what? <laughs> You're like, oh, on the... Oh, on the... you can play it on the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good, Trent. <laughs> got me. <laughs> on... Oh, I've lost my... Clicked on something, and now I've lost my list. That's not good. Oh, no. This I'm is the problem with do the live thing. <laughs> EA Sports FC 24 does come out on Switch as well, but it won't be. It'll be like EA Sports FIFA 2019. Yeah, but on on the Switch they don't even update the game. It's just a roster no, update, yeah, and they literally exactly. say on the box, "This is just a roster update," which is nice that they give people the warning. But why they even bother making the game, I don't know. Was that a DLC? You make more money with it. To be fair, like, yeah, it's silly. Yeah, that's it. That's all the games coming That's out in it. September, as far as we know, at the point of recording. So there's lots, lots of games. Seno Saga and Xenogears are being released on September 1st. Yeah, probably. But <laughs> we don't know that at this stage. So we can't talk about that. Yeah. Uh, Trent, pick one game. Pick one game. Can I like pull out some like games out of my ass and say that they're coming out and like be pleasantly surprised when they do come out? No, like, you can only pick from the list. Uh, I only pick from a list. That's yeah. a depressing list, though. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's good stuff. Do you usually think you just say you're playing Animal Crossing again? <laughs> well, well, no, I, oh, no, I did actually get over Animal Crossing and stopped playing it. So, you know, the, I've been playing Zelda for the past few months, Alan. You haven't been here. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, uh, by that point, I'll probably be still playing Final Fantasy. But out of the list, uh, let's go with... Um, Let's go with one of those weird indie games, like you know, maybe that, uh, maybe that fan servicey visual novel, that uh, Chrome Chronicles. The what? No, the monochrome game. Oh, oh, oh yes, yes, oh. yes, yes. Let's go with that. It's probably gonna be horrible and completely out of my alley, but let's go with that. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Matt, what are you gonna play? Uh Trails. I'm just I'm Stockholm syndrome yeah. into liking that game, the series. So. I just don't have a choice. See, you're not, you're not selling choice. it to me at all. I don't have like, a choice. You're making this series seem even worse than I previously thought, and that's I'm, really impressive, given I'm, how little I wanted to enjoy the series to be. I'm not kidding. They are exceptional games, but at this point, you do need to settle in for about a thousand hours of games before you play the next one, because you oh need to. You need to be across it as an experiment. It is just. It is magnificent. Like if you think about it just the balls to make a series where some of the games that they release will be games where you start at level 100 and it just assumes that you know dozens and dozens of characters that is um brave game development <laughs> to say the least and it works in the sense that they actually are like it's not just content for content's sake they're actually doing something with the story and with the world and with all those characters there's a point to it all and it's quite impressive. It's just, it's like settling down to read a 2000 page book. You just got to settle into it, which is just hard to do these days. Um, but if you are lucky to have been able to keep up with it, then they're definitely worth it. And for that reason, I'm very excited to play The Legend of Nayuta. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to play Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat would be good. 
No, you're going to play Monu, defeat monsters and gain strong weapons and armor. You may be defeated, but don't give up. Become stronger. I believe there is a day when. You may defeat the Demon King. Yeah, that's still game. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to play that game. I'll be really honest with you. If I ever play that game, <laughs> I'm going to ask you all to call my family because I've been replaced with an alien. You're going to play that game, Alan, because that's how we get, we, we're going to talk about it the month it gets released, and we're just going to oh say my the God, title as we... many times as possible. <laughs> just I'll just do a live stream of it on my Twitch and just cry. <laughs> have it as like a hot key button where you just press like a button on your keyboard and it says says the title, and then you, have like <laughs> you need a hot key a to say the title of it. <laughs> yeah, just have it appear on the stream, yeah. <laughs> So as games come out more and more and we're experiencing a lot more releases, one of the things that I've noticed a lot personally is that games will often have a very, very good first couple of hours or first like 
you know, five hours and then all of a sudden become the single worst thing of all time. Um, for me, in this moment as it is right now, that is my experience with Diablo 4, where there is a very sweet spot of levels 20 to 40, which is extremely fun. And then the rest of the game is utterly miserable because either you are not powerful enough to deal with the enemies or you are, you know, just stomping them effortlessly in the earlier levels. And it got me thinking, because like I think that's a, a thing that's happening with a lot of video games at this point, where the first couple of hours are front-loaded with all these really interesting mechanics that then are just not deep enough to justify being interested in. And it's been quite interesting for me as well, because at the moment I'm coming I'm going through Final Fantasy X. And that game has pretty basic mechanics and a pretty slow start, but gets more and more interesting the further you get into it. And I was wondering like how that's how that's happened in that we've gone from like a slow drip feed of rewards to sudden like instant just like dopamine for a little bit and then nothing after a certain point and i was wondering if that's like a if it's a recurring issue because of modern game design or if it's because of monetization or if it's because of just i don't know like uh, if it's just me being weird and not liking these things anymore and having the attention span of a two-year-old so I, I was going to ask. All three of them. It's a hundred percent probably all three of them. <laughs> Matt, have you experienced anything like this before? Yeah, I, I reckon it's um, I, I reckon it's because the game developers feel they need to make the games like super super long. You got to have so much content in there. So inevitably, at some stage, they've got to pad things out because it's pretty difficult to have ideas sustain themselves over, you know, hundred hour long games or games that you're meant to play into perpetuity so as a result they just kind of pad them out so you hit those bits like you're talking about where you just end up having to go through the motions because there's no creative ideas left in, in the game so I, I reckon that's it and for me it's uh, a good example of that is pretty much any game that has the assassin's creed name attached to it oh yeah oh like, my god they always they always start out really impressive and i end don't I kind of enjoy them on, on, you know, those first couple of hours. And, and then after that, I just kind of play through them and would rather have not. Um, Can we expand that to every single Ubisoft game? Uh, it does apply to a lot of them. Except the original Watch Dogs. The original Watch no, Dogs. Especially the original perfect, Watch Dogs. No, especially the original Watch Dogs. Especially Watch Dogs. of video game. No. no, I mean yeah. when it doesn't I, apply uh, when it doesn't apply to a Ubisoft game, it's because the Ubisoft game has sucked from the very start, which is like Ghost Recon. Um, but <laughs> saying you don't like Wildlands, you don't yeah. like the the one with uh, the guy from the Punisher. Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm saying. The Division is good. Like you got you got the Division is not Division is good. It is is good from this. It, okay, it is Ubisoft good from the point it starts to the point it ends. It is a solid seven out of ten game. It's a looter shooter. It's fine. It's but great. the rest of it is awful. Yeah, I don't know. Is it, on the topic of looter shooters, I feel like every single game that I have this experience with is also a looter shooter or a looter in some capacity because uh, Borderlands, except for the first one, I bounce off all of those games within like four hours. Yeah, it's and I think the reason I bounce off those is because the story is the most grating rubbish awfulness in the history of mankind. Well, that's the kind of that's that's the thing. I think it kind of applies to 
almost any game where the narrative is really just a way of pushing you into playing more content as such. Um, when it's just there because they need something to continue to move you into the next section or do the next thing. Whenever it's that kind of disingenuous approach to storytelling, which is unfortunately way too often, uh, I, I feel like the game is inevitably going to get hit some point where the the grind is no longer enjoyable and you end up feeling like you need to continue to do it because you've got to finish the game, but you're not really having a good time anymore. And we've talked about that, like in so many other podcasts and whatever, that games should be shorter because they need Absolutely. to, they need to, uh, for, for this, this industry, for whatever reason is, is just obsessed with uh, raw length of things rather than giving the game the kind of the respect of being as long as it needs to be to tell its story or to do its thing. So yeah, that that I think that's pretty much the crux of where it comes from. This is a very dragged out metaphor I'm about to use. And I'm really sorry in advance if it's really annoying, but it's like how different filmmakers adapt Shakespeare. Because there's a movie called Cymbeline, and they took the script of Cymbeline, the original Shakespeare script, and included all of like the dialogue that would have been used on a stage to explain what's happening for people who can't see. And you compare that to Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. And instead of Romeo saying everything that he does in the script, he just does the things. So it's obvious to the viewer. And I think that a lot of games have that problem with Cymbeline where it's like, they're just adding in all this extra shit that doesn't need to be there. And it's because it's trying to be a game. It's trying to be like, we're going to go make sure you, jump on this tower for 20 minutes and climb this thing and then shoot this guy. Whereas the idea should be more games should be like Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> it's what I'm trying to say and actually be built around what makes the, the medium successful. And rather than having this long winded nonsense, just actually making it fun. It's such a awful metaphor. I'm so Sorry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I kind of agree. I agree with you. It's just for me, it really does boil down to the fact that most video games don't have narratives that are anywhere near um, worth the amount of time you need to put into them. If they're going to do the Hollywood blockbuster style of um, storytelling, then that's fine. But Hollywood Hollywood blockbusters are only three hours long. You can't exactly take three hours of story and stretch it to a 40-hour game without something breaking. <laughs> um, Matt, you've made my point, but better, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you, you didn't know. use Baz Luhrmann's Romeo <laughs> and Juliet for it. <laughs> I have this problem with a lot of Sony games too. Sony games tend to start off nice and strongly because they're such visual spectacles and whatever, but they're just not 40-hour games. If God of War was over in 10 hours rather than however long it actually takes to finish, I can't remember now, then it would be much better. If The Last of Us 2 was over in five hours, it would be so much better because it would be more intense. They would get to the point. You could have been more edgy there and say if it was over in zero hours, it would be better. (laughs) No, there's there's stuff in the, The Last of Us that could have been a really compelling, could have made a really compelling game. They had some key moments and they had some key story beats, which could have been really memorable and impressive, but they just let it down by having just lengthy sequences of 
nothing happening in terms of the narrative. It's just some dude called Joel speaking gruffly and then some girl, can't even remember her name. Um, Abby. Look, Abby. No, 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 not The Last of Us 2, the, the main girl. What's her name? Ellie. Oh, Ellie. Just, just looking sad and shit. And it's just what happened to them would have been much more interesting if it was condensed and it was more high impact and it was an actual but, Hollywood Matt, you've blockbuster. you feel for the highly inappropriate daddy-daughter relationship which is created there. You've you got, you got to understand that is a I'm going to pause you that that's not a thing. <laughs> no, that's that, not a thing. That is not a thing. <laughs> it's a very emotionally created, crafted scenes there. Like, Well, see, that's the thing. I got less emotionally involved with it because it was just, it, it, dragged on it's, it's laughably dark as well it became tedious it became tedious yeah. if, you, if you're gonna let the game become tedious then you lose people um a, a contrast I mean, to that is is final fantasy 16 which is a blockbuster and yes it's long because it's jrpg and stuff but it's not that long it's only you can finish it in 35 hours which i know sounds which, like a lot but for for the genre for that's a JRPG, quite brief that's yeah that's tiny that's like yeah. a that's a little indie game yeah and it's and it's and because of that because it is relatively brief the the kind of story key beats it focuses more on those and it has a higher impact and the story is just that much more memorable as a result um there was no wasted time in final fantasy 16 which is refreshing it was one of the qualities about the game i quite like i will always run after gavin (laughs) and gavin he's a good boy He's a good boy. He's the best boy. He's just a guy. He's just being a dude. And I respect him for that. I think uh, that's the thing, though, is that... I like Mid. I want Mid to have her own game adventure. Even Persona has this issue where Persona 5's opening hours are really engaging. And then it lost me so hard. Like, uh, as soon as you get to, like, past the... Like Madarame section, I want to say, or even in like the bank heist, as like the absolute latest. After that, I was like, I, I don't care. Well, I don't think I actually ever finished that game because I simply just did not care at the final dungeon, and it was we, so annoying that I just did not want to do it. Yeah, we, we've talked about that one as well. I mean, Persona Five doesn't mm. say or do anything that Persona Four didn't, and Persona Four was half the length. Now, Persona Four is exactly. the, one of the greatest games of all times, as far as I'm concerned, and Part of it is that it felt like it justified its length. I never felt like it was dragging, whereas Persona 5 does drag, especially if you do what I did and max out your favorite character's story arc in the first couple yeah, of hours. I feel hours. like 5 <laughs> is designed for that. Like It's like, oh, let's give everyone enough time to do like like every single like character or whatever. Like, like I felt like I, could, I got a lot more characters done and maxed out in five than I did in four. And then I was just getting bored of the game and like, oh, do I need to do this? I don't really need to do this. I'll just skip the day or just do something stupid to get to the next day. Like, Well, there was that and the dungeons, the the dungeons were way too long in Persona 5. They just, they had, they usually had some interesting theme or quirk about them, which was great. But then it just kind of got replayed over and over again to make sure that you spent enough time in the dungeons, which then made them tiring by the time you got to the end of them and the boss. And it was just the, what happens when you double the length of a game without actually adding anything to what it's trying to say. So it is a really good I example mean, of it. 
I think the the best example of a game that doesn't lose its spark after an hour and in fact gets more enjoyable is the Hitman series. Like the new Hitman games are the opposite because I think the first few hours of Hitman are extraordinarily annoying and hard and frustrating. But the more that you play it, the better it gets. And it's not because like, oh, you just have to put more time into it. It's more because like the puzzle pieces start to fall into your head about how to play the game better. I think that's really, really fun. And that's all just through mechanical learning, whereas a lot of the reasons why these games become exhausting and just not interesting is because it's not mechanical learning, it's running through the paces and just following the steps. Like, I'm going to go to this area, I'm going to liberate this camp, I'm going to take this place, then I'm going to move here, I'm going to liberate this area, I'm going to take this camp, I'm going to go to this blade. It's just this whole thing. Like, I've, there's no meaningful content there it's it's content it's not like fording anything that makes me understand anything more and i will use an example of ff16 because i think 16 does this really well where the side quests even though they're like oh i'd like you to go get one squint feather from the maiden village um at least you go to that village and you learn something about how clive reacts to you know a certain attitude um and you find out that he actually doesn't like racism Funnily I enough. don't understand that one. Like again, we're we no, are recording this. We're we're recording this podcast way in advance. Um, so the Final Fantasy 16 conversation has probably moved on by the time it goes live. But at the moment, people are still talking about Final Fantasy 16, and the conversation's just dumb. Like dumb, it's dumb. So silly. It, it's it like, doesn't require a lot of reading into it. Like it, it literally I, I, takes two seconds of playing the game. I do not understand how people are coming away with a take that the the uh, the the theme of the story is that he learns that slavery was bad. He knew slavery was bad from the opening bloody five minutes. It's crazy that you see it are... in his reaction. I know he's, he's kind to that one like that one guy who drops the apple. It's literally the first two minutes. Yeah, and, then and that, yet... the whole point of that scene was to just establish the fact that they are a unique family and that they 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 do agree that slavery is bad. You know, it's and. That was... The point is that he's disaffected because he doesn't feel like he can change anything because he's been shit on his whole life. And then he realizes like, oh, no, I can actually do something if I work with this group who are pretty cool. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, what... it's about dealing with uh, Jordan Peterson would love this game. It's about disaffected young men. Don't say that. Okay. You just ruined it. For me now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You really <laughs> just ruined it for me. He would love Clive. Clive's a good boy. He would... He's, He's got a heart of gold, boy. he does. I love the the one meme. This is now like completely off the track, but uh, I love the one meme where it just has the like relationships connections, and it just has Clive and Torgo as his best friends. <laughs> like I love that. Torgo's a good boy. Torgo's a yeah. good boy. He's a good pup. This is going back to just play sixteen again because it's actually made by people who don't want to waste your time and actually have something to say, and they're saying things that are cool and interesting. I think. Um, a lot of uh, like Disco Elysium also doesn't waste your time in that regard. Well, that's, it, it's very that's the thing. Obvious. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that what we're saying in this. It's a long game. Yeah, what what we've been saying here is that not that games have to be short. They don't necessarily. It's just they need to justify the length. That there's not that dead time that too many Ubisoft or Diablo style games have. That the the time just exists to exist. If there's a reason for it, then go to town, make a 300-hour game. I mean, we were talking yeah. earlier about the Trails series. That's the 1,000 hours of game right there. 
And I would say that it actually does justify it um, because they've got a lot to say and they really want to create that kind of epic, that true epic uh, narrative arc. And they do that, but they don't waste your time at any point. I think that's the thing. There's a, there's a difference there because it's like, that's a narrative reason that you don't want to waste your time. Whereas I think Diablo's issue is that it's a gameplay reason that you don't want to waste your time. Because uh, for those who've not played Diablo, you kill monsters, you get items, items are better, you replace your item set, you move on. There's a lot of balancing stuff at the moment where you can't really afford to change your items that much because if you do, your entire class becomes invalid. So mm. it, it means that like, there's no point to the game because why are you killing the enemies to get a 0.0% chance of getting a better thing that then even that better thing is not better because it doesn't have the things that you need to make your class better. So it feels pointless in the whole process. It's, it's very interesting because either you have to have a narrative justification or you have to have a mechanical justification. I think something like counter-strike has a mechanical justification. I think something like, uh, you know, trails, like you're saying probably has a big narrative justification. I don't think every single game has that. And I think a lot of games are aiming for that by going either competitive and focusing really hard on competitive shit, or they go really hard on narrative stuff and just have like 140 hours worth of content that's voiced but not engaging at all. And it's this question of, you know, how do you balance that? How do you make a game that people think, oh, I'm going to spend, you know, 120 Australian dollars on this thing um, and feel good about that purchase, but also make that actually a fun experience rather than just like another job? Yeah, it, I, mean, it's I think really, I think the problem they have, the, the I guess the problem they have, and I haven't played Diablo Four, so I can't comment with any expertise. But I, I would take a guess that the problem they've run into is that if they gave away the loot too easy, you'd be making progress through the content too quickly, and that would not be. Then you'd get to the end of it, and there'd be a bunch of gamers that are like, "Oh, it's not enough stuff in there. I'm bored." Um, so like, what the thing is, the way they've the way the power way, fantasy, the, the way they've like, that's um, why the game's mm, the, the way that they've compensated for that is to kind of be a bit too stingy with the with the the rewards. Uh, and now people are getting stuck, and the grind is is exhausting. It's just so, how gambling works, <laughs> it well, is literally just gambling. That is, that is the thing, and um. I think I've said on the... You guys are in New South Wales. How does gambling work? Explain this. How does <laughs> well, you go South Wales going? You, like, you put in money <laughs> from the ATM, which you need to spend on like stuff, and then you spend like all the money on the pokies. You might get a little bit of action, but then like the shiny lights that make you buy, put more thing, click more buttons, and then every so often it goes like beat the kraken so you're like i want to play that one it's talking to me so then you run over to that machine to put in all your hard-earned money and then suddenly you like lose all your money but then you get like just enough to get enough money to go to the next machine and then you're in the next machine and then you're like yes i got like 30 dollars. i can get like back like 50 dollars if i put in just enough money and so you lose a bit you get down to like the last five dollars and then suddenly you hit a feature and then all the lights go ding 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 and then you click on all the buttons and then that's when you win a big amount but it's only enough for you to look like you've got a big amount but really you've just broken even and you're back to your fifty dollars Trent, you know way too much about this. If you've come, if you got back to your fifty dollars, <laughs> then you've had a pretty good outing. Um, 
I you usually say Matt. Had, if there's like a I've, game, I've, you know, like all the game uh, series, they're always like racist things, like you know, beat the gold mine, oh, like you know, like you know, the you know, the Chinese like ones where they're like dragons and stuff. Like, why can't there like be a really incredibly white, trashy, bogan slot machine where it's like you know make america great again like fiends and like you know ute trucks and four-wheel drives and like you know bomb wheels and shit like why can't there be i, that I don't want to of... say this Trent, but i guarantee that's a thing like uh, there's, just there, there's thing. heaps of those that, that, it does also lead into this it but, leads into this whole idea as well that they've taken those ideas of not actually making it worthwhile but making it addicting and i think that's also something that the games media has also fallen into is saying that oh it's such an addicting game is that a good thing? No. I've um and I know that Matt, you've railed on this for a while as well. And I, yeah, I, I yeah, understand I mean, why now. I've like I think I've said in the past, I've actually I actually went to a convention, a gambling convention once uh, to cover it when I was doing when I was on that beat in the media. And um the way they talk about their games, the casino games and stuff is exactly the same way that um video game developers talk about their games. Like the, the conversation, the words, the language they use is exactly the same, which means the intent is the same. And yeah, exactly. um, it's... that is that is a problem. <laughs> um, Are you, you suggesting, try... Matt, that capitalism has ruined games? Well, in a, in a sense, yes. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the point here is that, yes, these games are definitely designed around having that endless loop to keep you playing and to keep you engaged as such. But it's really not really about engagement. It's really just to keep you inside the game and whatever they need to do to do that, they go into, which is why you end up with, again, those dead zones where it can feel like you're not doing anything, but that's just the game's way of kind of um, trying to keep you there. That... Um, the uh, if they fail you know if, the sense that you're not enjoying diablo for example that's more a reflection on the fact they haven't made the um, stimulus from their their loops engaging enough but their intent is to do exactly what you've been doing that in that game yeah and that's just how the the big end of town works it's not just diablo it's pretty much any game i mean um sports games are all kind of modeled around this these days as well this idea that you should be playing them for ever and ever um the live service games when ea tried to pull it off with um uh anthem and then the what's the one that um arcane did that's absolutely terrible just recently released oh redfall redfall these are all the same Everyone's thing favorite yeah these oh, these are they're all, all the same game yeah, well, that's the point because they are all the same game, just like all poker machines are all the same poker machine. Um, no, just one have... has piggies. You click on the piggies, and then the piggies do like oink, and then you get like a giant feature wheel, and then they take up the whole screen, and then you click the piggies, and then the piggy goes boom, and then you get like your like two cents. And Matt, uh, Trent, I'm so sorry, but I have to pause you and just. <laughs> Let you listen to the phrase "the piggies go oink." <laughs> they do go oink. It's a great game, and then there's one which is like a spooky tree. Right now, it's great. Why do you know so much about this? <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's kind of the point. The point they are they are all the same. Um, they're just different flashing lights to distract you in different ways, but they're they're fundamentally the the same with the same 
end goal and the same um, intent and the same design philosophy behind them. So video games are pretty much the same. And when they don't work, um, it's just they haven't calibrated them correctly as developers. It's not about them being bad games, I guess, in comparison to the good games that do the same thing. It's just the developers haven't managed to hit the right um, formula, um, the, yeah. the right approach to the formula. So, yeah, um, realistically, Diablo 4 is not a game that starts well and gets bad. It's just a game that hasn't been calibrated correctly. And they'll recalibrate it, I'm sure, because they're uh, they need to make money from this for the next decade. So I'm sure five years down the track they'll have it right, and um, people will be like, "Well, oh, this is the best game ever." That's pretty much what happened with Diablo three, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, that's a that's an argument. I mean, Diablo three started off terribly. I remember that. Yeah, it was awful, um, and then the and then they Souls expansion kind of fixed it. Kind of, but it was still not good. So, and people people played that game for forever and a day, and they kept re-releasing it. And I mean, GTA is the same thing, right? GTA is just an example of them calibrating it correctly. That's why people continue to play GTA Five forever and a day. They got the flash game. They got the came out on the Xbox Three (laughs) Sixty. Like, yeah, Yeah, that's three. They they got the they got the flashing lights right. (laughs) <laughs> that's the difference did they get the flashing lights right yep so gta got the piggies the piggies going boom correctly and, uh, and then and every Diablo so didn't. often there's this huge thing where like the cars or something like that disappear or the money gets recalibrated in the online game everyone makes a stink about it and then everyone forgets about it in a few months time when there's a new feature set out for the online game and then suddenly it's making more money
with the advent of more and more portability, you've got things like the Switch, obviously, which is now, oh my god, almost, oh god, seven years old. That's awful. Uh, things like the Vita, which is even older. It's now 10 years old, I believe, at this point. Um, and things like the Asus ROG, which is brand new. And unfortunately, Matt, I saw your tweet. I'm really sorry you didn't get one. But hopefully by the point this <laughs> I was podcast so goes live, you have one. <laughs> I was so might disappointed. Have one. Yeah, fingers crossed. That would be that. good. <laughs> I feel like there's a um, new shiny toy by the time this podcast goes live, which would be way better than the uh, Asus uh, ROG. But uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Matt's actually going to get on the Apple glasses and he's going to, he's really going to love the Apple specs. No, I'm not. I believe it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. That was a horrible suggestion. Anyway, <laughs> back onto the topic. With the advent of all these portable consoles, more and more games we played on the go. And it made a bit of an interesting question of what games are you actually embarrassed to play in front of other people? Because previously, the only embarrassment that I ever sustained was playing something like FF10 in front of my parents as a child and having them watch the laugh scene and having to explain that, no, 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 it's actually really good, though. Something that I still do to this day. Um, yes, well, you're still wrong about that. It's not good. No, I'm still the most correct. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Such an embarrassing there thing. Are... Yeah, it's, it's embarrassing because Titus is horribly depressed. He's traumatized. And of course, he's upset. Of course, he'd be weird if you were that traumatized. Anyway. <laughs> I had to defend it. Uh, there are games that everyone's like obviously embarrassed to play around other people just in general. So for me, uh, the main one is probably MK9 because I felt really, really uncomfortable playing that around kids on the bus when I was going into work at my florist job in Adelaide. Um, especially when the fatalities are happening or when story mode cutscenes are happening and someone's head gets exploded. In a more recent way of talking about it, I felt horribly awful playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2 on a plane because of the uh the designs and I, what happens to me often is I'll end up sitting next to someone who is of an older disposition as in like they are in their 60s or 70s and I have this inherent fear they're going to look over at me and see a big booby uh bunny lady who is shooting ice out of her nipples and think that I am reflective of that. And I want to say to the world, I am not reflective Alan, of that. Alan, I feel like I just what you're missing good. out on is some <laughs> nice, lovely scenes where this old lady, instead of being wholly, really disgusted with you, turns to you and says, ah, yes, in my youth, I used to be a playboy bunny, and I knew, you know, all oh, the men. That would traumatize me, Trent. <laughs> I would simply not want to exist anymore. That would be enough to send me out of the... I, I would do a parachute out of the plane without a parachute. I still fit into that costume. I bring it I need you to stop. <laughs> I need you to stop. Matt, what's, what's the game that you're embarrassed to play? Actually, no, why am I asking you this? Because you, <laughs> yeah. you seem to have no shame. You seem to have zero shame about this topic. Because the more tweets that I see about you on Sydney's public transport, about playing like Caligula Effect, or what's that? Uh, the, what's the game Caligula where... Effect? There's nothing wrong with Caligula Effect. I don't know what What's you think about that... that game. It's totally, no. totally nice. What's the one where it's a Vita game, but you play as like a, a demon in hell and you're collecting girls and when they level up, their boobs get bigger. Demon Slayer, is it? No. What? That's not, that's an anime. <laughs> <laughs> What's collecting... that game? Uh, oh, uh, uh, Criminal Girls or something like that. 
something never, like that. I've never played Criminal Girls on the public oh, transport. I don't think this. I have. Have I? Anyway, there was one. Yeah, I mean that one. The Criminal Girls was great because Criminal Girls had cutscenes where you needed to like torture the the girls with feather dusters and stuff and um, poke and prod them in places. That was a that was a fascinating game. That was. It is Criminal Girls. <laughs> I was um, thinking of. <laughs> No, I, I want to point out the way that I found what this game was called is I looked up Vita Boob Game Criminal. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's anything. Do do I have do I have limits? Uh, I've played Dead or Alive Extreme Volleyball on the train, and that's fine. How did you me. do that? On the Switch. It's on the Switch. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yep. So that's um swimsuits and volleyball that's a pretty good time um i mean obviously i wouldn't go and play outright adult games on the on the on the uh, aog rog or whatever on the train we that would, found his limit ladies and gentlemen that, we found that, the limit that would be but that's that only would... because he doesn't have the console yet yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's not sellable on switch <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I can just imagine playing like Sayano Uta on the train. That would be a fascinating experience if somebody saw what yours playing. Um, no, I don't. I, I don't be bothered by much, really. <laughs> to be to be honest, if people see what I'm playing on the train, then maybe they should stop being nosy and just get on with their own lives. Um, because yeah, can you just imagine a character business, going to like the train driver or something to be like that man is playing this booby game, and I think he's a terrorist because he just blew up that woman's panties. Stop the train! Get him out! That's what's going to happen. Trent, Trent is on something today, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yes, coffee <laughs> and half-eaten badly. And I was going to say that's probably part of the reason. It's like. People, the, the other people on the train are all on different bit things anyway. They should be embarrassed just for existing. So um, I, I have no shame about what I play on the on the train. I do what I want and people can just cope. Um, that yeah. said, there, there has been the occasional game where I haven't expected fan service, I guess, uh, as such. I mean, if I decide I'm going to play Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball, then I, I know what's going to be in that game and I am ready for people to look at me weird if they see what i'm doing but there are sometimes there there are some games like a visual novel or something that i'll be playing and then um it'll pop up one of the kind of key scenes and <laughs> those key scenes can be uh interesting sometimes and if i don't expect that it's coming then i'll suddenly think oh hang on um do, do i necessarily uh want somebody to be looking over my shoulder at the moment and see what i'm playing so yeah if if i'm not expecting I, it, I feel then... like on the Wollongong train system, you're less likely going to find someone disgusted by it and more likely to find some uh, jacked up uh, perv, which would uh, be a little bit too close for, for comfort if they saw what's your... No, nah, Wollongong's, Wollongong's white dude territory, so it, it's okay if I was playing like that Fluja game and committing war crimes on trains, they'd be like oh, hell on. yeah, They'd be cheering me on, but if I was playing something with anime, then they'd be like, ooh, you're, you're a weird person. So, yeah. Yeah, that um, checks out. I mean, I also feel uncomfortable. Like every time that if I'm like seated next to someone who's like younger than like eighteen, and I'm gonna play like a shooter or anything that's like even remotely violent, I always get this like massive sense of just 
shame. <laughs> like, I'm not going to play the game. I'm going to sit there and stare into the abyss instead, which is bizarre. But also, like, I don't know. Uh, I, I get really they, worried like, and you and be like, What are you, a nerd? You're playing like a game I was playing like when I was five or something like that. Everyone's playing Fortnite right now <laughs> or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't think everyone's playing Fortnite right now. I don't know who's playing Fortnite. I don't think the kids that I teach are playing Fortnite. They're all into the Roblox, the Roblox community stuff. But regardless, I don't know. I, I get weirdly like self-conscious about what I'm playing in front of other people. And I think the main reason why is like, I don't, I want people to think that like me enjoying this is reflective of my personality. Because <laughs> oftentimes I'm not there for like the surface level stuff. And it's the lack of context that I think that gets a lot of people. Yeah, I mean that, like that's a, that's that's fair enough. Like if people don't have any context and they see you playing something that creeps them out, then they're going to assume that you're a creep. Um, yeah, exactly. And that stresses me out. Of the so I just don't play video games. <laughs> yeah, you should do what one guy did, where he just made sure that everybody saw what he was playing because he was playing Disco Elysium and he wanted to. I'm pretty sure he wanted everyone on the bus to know that he was like an elite intelligence because yeah, he just kind of oh, tilted the screen and <laughs> he just kept tilting the screen everywhere so people could see what he was playing quite easily. So you should do I'm that, a smart Alan. guy because yeah. I beat fascists up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I mean I get that. I, the, the games that you play when the people just kind of they, they don't know you on any level, that that's kind of their only way of kind of getting a sense of who you are i guess but so i, I would imagine it's in the most same anime sense. games are it... out, out for you <laughs> if i saw someone reading 12 rules for life i would judge them instantly if i saw someone playing xenoblade chronicles 3 i would instantly judge them and then also be like i hope you're a normal person do <laughs> you know what i mean like especially like in London, like I just I hope that they're normal. There was Please I, don't. actually that, that that does make you make a good point. There was one time where I do remember I was um, really careful about what I was, <laughs> what people would think of me when I was on the train because I was studying literature at uni at the time, and it was um, it was American literature, and one of the books on the reading list was Lolita. And the only time I was oh. able to, get, the only time I was able to get a lot of reading done because I had a really long commute to my uni, was on the train. So that was one time I kind of, um, I covered the book. <laughs> I got some you know, plastic tape and um, yeah, covered covered over they the put book. It into so a, people into a really big book sleeve and just yeah roar and peace in like a really yeah. <laughs> so really people, bad crayon i i really didn't want people knowing that i was reading that book not that i mean the anybody who reads the book realizes that it's not what its reputation is but it's just that one of those things where the reputation would be um it would lead to unpleasant conversations with some people potentially so yeah that was one time when i was careful but other than that not really um, is it really a bad that, like, thing in Australia, or is that more of an American thing where it's like, ooh, it's a banned book kind of thing? Like in Australia, is that like really a big kind of? I mean, it's just like a, yeah. it's a bad, it's seen as like a quite bad book to read. Like it's like reading Mein Kampf. Yeah. In terms of like, the, well, it, the, it's the impact, the again, impact. Again, it's kind of the context, right? I mean, there are very good reasons yeah. to read Mein Kampf. Like people should honestly, I think people should read that book because people should know what's in it. Like should they? If they you're should doing international actually... politics, or international relations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no, people. Anybody should actually know what that 
ideology is and not just the kind of the version that they get through Twitter or whatever. They should actually know just how bad it really is. And to do that, you need to read the thing. So I, I'm a big advocate of people reading things that are deeply uncomfortable in order to better understand them and then understand why we should reject them. So I, I've read Mein Kampf and um, because of that, I, I became even more firmly if the belief that everything that uh, is said about Hitler and all of that is um, quite, you know, true. In fact, if anything, it's, it's even worse um, from that book. I, I was radicalized even further against the, the movement because of it. So I, I firmly believe that people re should read it, but without having the context of why I was reading it and who I am. And um, yeah, if people just see, see somebody there reading Mein Kampf, they're probably going to draw conclusions. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it, it's all about the context. You can't really walk around with a sign saying this is who I am. Um I am yeah. I am playing this thing to better understand the the context or, or whatever. Um Yeah. Well, the story is really people, good. People I are going to assume that you approve movies. Yeah. People are going to assume that you approve of the content in there. You know. Yeah, if, exactly. If they don't have the context they're, they're just going to how, how dare you read or play something because you want to better yourself instead of because you you know believe you know believe you, everything you play and you know read should be because you like agree with it or something i don't know like that seems to be where society is heading towards so. well, i mean what what other reason would you have to believe anything else like realistically if someone is reading mein Kampf, if i saw someone reading mein Kampf and it was a white guy like me i would instantly be like that's a nazi yes you know what i mean like that would be a fair enough thing because if it was a guy who looked like me and they were reading that book, yeah. If I saw someone playing Monster Mon Piece on their PS Vita in 2023 on the train in London, I'd be like, that is a weeb. <laughs> and I'd probably move away. <laughs> I mean, you probably probably move away because they probably smell anyway. Um... That's I wasn't going to say that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst part i was trying to be polite as much as i could but at the same time well that, it, I, I do have a, i do have a story uh, it's not um it's not video games but it was um no, do it. dvd i had a portable dvd player which i also used a bit um when i was at, at uni and i kid you not i um i i didn't realize that eyes wide shut was as explicit as it was um oh it's a lot it's yeah. a very weird movie because I was a big fan of Stanley Kubrick. I was, I've always been a big fan of Stanley Kubrick, but I was watching through his films and I just hadn't seen Eyes Wide Shut. So I had the DVD and I'm sitting there on the train and I pop Eyes Wide Shut onto oh, the Matt. DVD player. And uh, that, that is another case where I, I actually kind of um, did turn it off quickly and uh, sit there. It's quietly. Like, that's not I didn't have another movie. I distinctly remember having to no sit one. there in shame. <laughs> I distinctly remember I had no other movie to watch. So I actually sat there and just kind of looked out the window for the rest of the trip. And I, I hated myself for that because yeah, I, I wasn't going to watch that movie on the train. No, I, I think there's also like a, a great deal of stuff behind this. It's like, what is the, uh, the implication of engaging with this media? And uh, I'm going to tell a story a little bit about Warhammer. I like Warhammer, right? I think it's a cool world. I think it's a cool hobby. I like painting. I'm not a big fan of the actual playing of it because it's pretty lame in my opinion. <laughs> However, um, if anyone has ever gone into a games workshop, I, I struggle to think of a single one that I've been in that does not smell like fart. 
And so now I just associate <laughs> anyone who is uh, playing a 40k game or like a Warhammer Fantasy or Lord of the Rings strategy game in any situation as potentially not smelling very good. And that makes me move away. And I know it's it's bad because I also play those games, but I also know myself and I know that I do take care of myself and I, I can kind of trust that I'm not going to be weird about it. So it's like this weird like thing of like, I also enjoy these things, but I don't want to associate with you because I'm afraid that you're going to stink. And it, it seems to be like a, a recurring thing. It's like, if, you, if you've ever been to like a convention and you go to like a, an area that you're really excited for, like a new game that's coming out, you're trying a demo or something like that, and you wait in the line and you are repulsed physically by the stench. It, it, it hits you. It hits you differently. And having done that one too many times, I, I just don't want to see that in public. And it's why I don't do it in public anymore. Because <laughs> I don't want those people who I don't know, who I will never know, who I will never see again, to think I am stinky. <laughs> it's such a weird, specific fear. Yeah. I <laughs> I, I know what you feel, think. Uh, I, I know how you how you feel, I guess. Um, I, I think that's the case kind of with uh, with the anime games as well. Um, you know, 100%. I'm, I'm not... I'm not personally embarrassed by being a fan of anime or whatever, but certainly um, the the anime community doesn't um, help itself yeah. uh, with, with its behavior a lot of the time. And I don't want to be associated with a lot of that stuff. Like there's some, there's some, you can hot... like things normally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Um, and you can like anything really and, and be kind of normal about it. Um, yeah, this yeah, is also like not an issue that's extended only to gaming and like nerd culture. This is also like stan culture in general. This is also like musician shit. This is also watching Love Island for 70 hours and becoming a weird person about it. Like it's not, it's not limited to, but with gaming, I think it's more apparent if you are. Like it yeah. is a higher risk of appearing like that. Well, I think some communities, um, you know, people in them who are how can I say this? I I think there are some people, uh, some communities where the the majority of people aren't particularly embarrassed by the kind of the mainstream, even if they're not themselves that kind of uh, hardcore fan. So, I mean, I'm thinking, for example, um, metal music. Um, I don't mm. think there are many people out there that listen to metal music. Uh, but don't want people to know that they listen to metal mu music because um, they're they're embarrassed by the, uh, the the less pleasant edges of that community. So, yeah, I, I think there are some. I, I think for whatever reason in in gaming, there is uh, some sensitivity by people like us who don't necessarily want to have the associations that some people have for the games that we play. If that makes sense, it it also comes down to like the visibility. Like if something is cringe and awful it gets blasted and that becomes the the stereotype well Whereas, i think that's like, probably that part is... of it it's like um it, it's not so much cringe it's just if it's countercultural if it's not if it's something that's outside the mainstream so the mainstream doesn't really understand it um mm. they they tend to to look down on it right uh and again to go back to the anime aesthetics uh, people do get weirded out by them 
uh, not for any other reason than just they're not the same aesthetics that are kind of in it. We get inundated from from with with Marvel or or Disney or American culture. So because it's different, there are a group yeah. of people that are in, who the because it's different. The people outside that community who don't understand it tend to look down on it. Um, yeah, because they don't know it, so they're afraid of it. Yeah, whereas they're totally, for example, they're, they'd be totally comfortable seeing somebody dress up in their Avengers clothes or whatever. Um, you know, you can wear a Captain America t-shirt and that's not going to bother anybody. Um, oh, it would bother me quite a lot, but that's okay. I'm just a psycho. <laughs> I find it... <laughs> I don't know. If, I, if you're wearing a Captain America t-shirt, I feel like that's on the level of like... Uh, there's like a better, there's a better hero. Which leads to, leads to Nazism and stuff like that. Like, yes, he's anti-Nazi, but it's still like heavy like heavily patriotic like he's meant to be the embodiment like superman like it's the embodiment of the american like materialistic like you know culture for like you know well i mean i mean any any super any superhero t-shirt you know and you can wear wear those that people aren't going to be bothered by them I, i find them to be pretty silly because i find silly superheroes to be silly but i sit on the outside of that so people don't care about what you know um, we, pe- people are comfortable that they're not going to be looked down on for for being fans of superheroes because they're mainstream. But if you were to wear an anime I do... t-shirt, then you're going to expect, I guess, the mainstream to to look down on you because it is uh, it is countercultural. So I think really that's that's where that comes from. There isn't there is an I intense awareness about for uh, from people like us, I guess, that um, there is that uh, perception about countercultural things, and if people see us engaging with them then they're they're going to to be critical of us as a result yeah i I wanted to mention just because i thought this would be very funny you matt but i think it's the greatest crossover of all time in that the the characters from the boys are now in call of duty and i think it's very funny i find it very funny that homelander is a character you can play in call of duty i think that's fantastic it's the most Am I the only like, one which wants to play that call of duty now that the boys are in there i know it's gonna be like no because it shit, but like it makes me no, the game is the fun game. the game is fun it's just like emotionally bankrupt the the coolest thing about it is that the boys is like the most appropriate like of course you'd have fucking homelander in in you know call of duty of course you would it's half the characters in call of duty are just homelander with different like accents <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's pretty cool. But I'll play yeah, Call of Duty regardless. when they put Hatsune Miku in Call of Duty. That's when I'll play that Call of Duty. Miku would like, like in... the enemy or something like that because they're like invading like Japan for reasons, and it would be like you have to shoot a bunch of Mikus. Like that. That is how Call of Duty would incorporate Miku. You know that, right? There, there was um. There, there was a shooter that you could play, which would be the the the, the greatest bait and switch to play on the on public transport, right? So it's a first person shooter, and it's it got pretty good production values. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it has got pretty good production values. It was made by um, a Chinese developer, I think, and um, it it plays just like a, any other first person shooter. So people will be looking over your shoulder and thinking, "Hey, look, he's playing he's playing a pretty neat shooter. He's killing all these dudes. He's got nice." he's got a really cool gun and stuff and then you get to the cutscene, and it's like a very anime girl um and you can put her into all kinds of different costumes including swimsuits 
So you could be like, you, you could really bait and switch people. They'll be thinking, oh, he's playing such a cool first person shooter. And then, um, oh no, it's actually a perv. What was the name of the game? Um, I'm going to type Chinese shooter, first person shooter into um, Google and see how we go. What I'm just imagining now. It was like actually quite a good game. Roughest, roughest, like manliest, like shooting game. And Bright then you memory. Get to, like a cut scene, and then you there have to like, like uh, dress up your like manly, manly like shooting guy and put him. No, like, no, it's called know. it's called Bright Memory. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> you should you should play that one, Alan. You'd you'd love it. I'm not gonna play that. You should play it. It's really good. <laughs> it is really good. No, it's Matt. a very fast twitch twitch based first person shooter. It's it's really really good quality. And then you have cutscenes, and it's got a really attractive woman in a swimsuit. So. I, I can't explain to you how little that is for me. Well. <laughs> you, what are you talking about? You like shooters, right? You like first-person um, shooters? Yeah. <laughs> I, I do, I guess. Yeah. So Some of them. You're just talking about how you like Call of Duty. You're just talking about how you like Call of Duty. I actually uninstalled it the other day. So. <laughs> you uninstalled it? I did. Oh, there you go. That'll give you 150 yeah. gigabytes of memory back. It did, actually. It was quite good because I installed Exoprimal today as well. <laughs> so, you know. Everyone play Exoprimal. That game's fun. It's going to die in a month and a half by the time this podcast comes out. I do not want... What uh, is Exoprimal? No, that's Dinosaur. It's a dinosaur it? shooting game. Yeah, it's a dinosaur shooting game. It's like a 5v5 v Oh, that's near no zero interest in that. I don't do the 5v5 yeah. thing. No, but like it's it's barely anything. It's literally just you shoot dinosaurs, and if you're a healer, you play healer. And somebody is the dinosaur. Is that how it works? You can play as a dinosaur. Yes, it's like a power remake of like the old like dinosaur game from like the '64 or something like that. Recently, no, Dino Crisis is not coming out at all. Turok also came out like three years ago, but it wasn't a great port from memory. Turok was um, Turok. the the biggest disappointment disappointment about Turok was the port of Turok two to the Switch doesn't have the multiplayer mode. Yeah, so why would you play the game? Yeah, I know the important multiplayer in Turok two was actually pretty good. I really enjoyed that, and I was really really disappointed that they didn't put it in because I was looking forward to playing that. I actually bought it before I realized um, that it was single player only, and I wouldn't have bought it if it was. But Dino Crisis would be pretty good. I like Dino Crisis. I'd play Dino Crisis yeah. on a train and not be embarrassed. Yeah, that's a great game. And then the dinos get put in swimsuits and then start, you know, productive, you know, walking around, you know, all sexy-like, and then you shoot them. I don't know. Trent, whatever you're on Stupid today. Stupid sexy dinos. <laughs> whatever you're on today, Trent, I really need some of it. 